You're listening to episode 72 of the Journey to Launch podcast, how pursuing financial independence and sustainable living while being friendly to our environment go hand in hand. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome back to another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast. Welcome back if you are a returning journeyer. So happy to have you here again. And if you are new to the podcast, welcome. Come aboard. Let's get in this rocket. Let's take off together. I'm super excited to be talking to today's guest, Catherine Agupkan. She is going to be talking about something that we have not really touched upon that much or maybe at all on this podcast. And that's how to pursue financial independence or how financial independence goes hand in hand with sustainable living and being friendly and responsible to our environment. It's our home. So how do we take care of it? And with Catherine, we're going to talk about a lot of great things. We're going to talk about her background to reaching financial independence, why it goes hand in hand and how you can be responsible. And so you live your best life, but with people, planet and profit in mind and how we invest in companies that do that and how we personally live our lives in that way. So if you want the episode show notes for this, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 72 for any of the things that we discuss. And before we hop in, want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Financial Boss Toolkit. It's your one-stop shop for all things finance. You'll hear a little bit more about the Financial Boss Toolkit later on in the episode, but wanted to give you a heads up that This is really exciting that I got to partner with 19 other women. So 20 of us, we pulled together some of our best resources for you in this toolkit, in this bundle for you to invest to get your best financial life together. And so you hear more about what's in it. But if you want to check it out, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash financial toolkit. There you'll see all the wonderful, amazing products that are included. And if you're listening to this in real time, so it's Thanksgiving week. So by the way, happy Thanksgiving. If you're listening to this in real time, this is the best time for you to invest in something like this. I know you guys are going to probably be doing a bit of shopping and there's nothing wrong with that, right? So there's Black Friday, there's Cyber Monday coming up again, if you're listening to this when this comes out. But what about investing in your finances and in something that's going to help you make money and improve how you manage money. So that's why we came together to do this. And I'm really excited to tell you more about it. Okay, so let's get into this amazing episode with Catherine. And don't forget, you can follow me at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to let me know what you thought about the episode. All right, let's get into the interview, guys. Hey, Journeyers. I'm excited to talk to today's guest. Today, we have on the podcast, Catherine Agupgan. Did I say that right, Catherine? Yes, perfect. (laughs) So we have Catherine on the podcast, and she is a personal finance educator and sustainability advocate, and she runs two sites. So one is primarily focused on financial independence and sharing stories around that called sistersforfi.com. And the other one is a minimalism slash eco-friendly living website called the do something project.com. 
And I first heard about Catherine, who I also refer to as Kat on the episode. So first heard of Kat because we started following each other on Instagram. And I loved how she frames the journey to financial independence around a much bigger goal and focus than just money and reaching your own self goals. She talks about the planet, how to be sustainable, how to leave the planet better than we came to it. And I just love that overall theme because I don't think it's talked about enough in the personal finance, financial independence space. I think we're now very focused on what we can accomplish, like what we're doing for our own families, for our own self. And I love looking at it as more of what are we doing for each other? What are we doing for the planet? How can we create a better world overall? So I really wanted to get Kat on the show to talk more about that. Thanks so much, Kat, for coming on and joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Why did you get so interested in the sustainability and minimalism and just green living? Was this something that you were always just into growing up or something that you got an interest in? So sadly, no, I wasn't really into environmental living or any of green living up until I think three, four years ago. And part of that was I was going through a life event. I got laid off from a job. So I had to kind of reassess what I was spending my money on and looking at all of the ways that I was contributing my time as well as where my money was going. And that led me to minimalism. And then it led me to figuring out what's the best way for me to spend my money and into the great living space. Mm -hmm. And I always find it's interesting that sometimes it does take this a life event to nudge us and to change the way we see things, which it makes sense, right? Because a lot of us are sleepwalking or going through life as is, and it takes something that kind of jolt us up, right? To wake us up and to cause us to dig deeper. And what I love especially is that this rabbit hole of you find one thing and then it leads you to something else and kind of deeper and deeper. Because I, I would imagine that when you first got laid off, you're, you probably didn't really realize where you'd be today talking about this subject matter, right? No, not at all. I was a product manager and a project manager in ad tech. So it was a completely different world from where I am now. And I've learned so much in the past few years with it too. But I think to your point too, that I was I was sleepwalking too at some point and just doing the grind nine to five, earning money, spending money and not really thinking about what am I doing? Like, what's my purpose if I continue to do this? Mm -hmm. So what did you find out along the way? Why should everyone listening who was on this journey to better their financial standing, reach financial independence, quit their jobs? Why should they care about this sustainable living and the environment more? We're going to need a clean planet to live the rest of our days. And it's great that we want money to do so, but also we want to make sure that we're leaving something behind for our children, right? So personal independence is not only creating security for myself, but for all of the hopefully future generations that my family will have. And I want them to live in a world that we've created for them that's good for them, that provides them security, but also provides them clean space, clean water, a clean environment just to thrive on. Because while we think that the earth will last us a while, we're consuming a lot to take out a lot of resources and It'll take a short time for us to realize that we need to take care of our earth a little bit better because it's the only place we have at this point. And we'll get into more specifics and how, because I like to leave journeyers with actionable tips that they can now start using in their life. So we'll get to that. But I do want to touch a little bit more about your story. You got laid off a few years ago. Once that happened, what did you start doing differently to help your personal finance situation? Can you take us back to that point? Were you in a lot of debt? 
Did you have no idea really about personal finance? Where were you when that happened? So interestingly, the good news was that I did not have any debt when I was laid off. I was doing what I was supposed to do. I was saving for retirement, putting in savings into emergency funds. So when that layoff happened, I wasn't as scared as perhaps others who may not have had a safety net built up. So I was glad. I was actually glad that I had those set up for myself. But I didn't know. I didn't know that I needed that. People were just telling me, put money in, save it just in case. The just in case was something that I wasn't sure was going to happen. I was like, what, whatever, like, I'll just put in money here just in case. So when we were called into the conference room and they announced it, so I was like, okay, I was like, all right, fine, I'll be okay. Let me calculate how much I have. I will have to cut down on some spending. I'll have to change my lifestyle for a little bit, but at least I won't struggle. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing with a little bit of the financial independence and feeling that way is that you have enough to meet your basic needs and you don't have to sacrifice a lot to find and get the money to provide food on the table. Mm -hmm. And so then when did you find out about this concept of financial independence? Because it seems like you were okay, right? You got laid off, you were okay, but was the plan to say, okay, I'm going to take a break from work? Were you thinking about reentering the workforce? Were you saying, you know what, I'm going to take a break and see where life takes me? I took a break and financial, the the movement itself, just this year is when I, I walked into it. And basically for all of those years, I saved for retirement, but I didn't know this concept of retirement to me was so far away. I'm in my thirties and to be thinking about retirement when I'm 65, that thinking to me was like so far. So when I was running through my finances, a lot of like resources popped up and this fire movement came up and it was just a way to rethink that you don't need to work for perhaps for the next 35, 40 years, but you may be able to take some time off or do part-time and have other investments kind of supplement your way of living today and not necessarily have to wait until you're 65 to do all the things that you wanted to do and are waiting to do. Right. Why wait until the end of your life to realize that you can live fully today? Now you're laid off. So what are you doing while you're laid off? What's going on? So part of the reason I started to do something project was I was experimenting, taking on projects for myself, figuring out what's my next move at this point. So I kind of took on experiments that I never had time to do because I was too busy doing the nine to five or exploring and reading and working on things that maybe I wasn't interested in, but I was just curious, like, what does this mean for me? Will this work if I do something? And then that led me into the world of sustainability. And I started writing about sustainability, blogging about it, and really taking on some of those habits and a lot of the learnings from eco-friendly living into my own household and implementing a lot of those things and then talking about it, documenting about it, and making sure that I was not only living it, but also letting others know some of the benefits for that kind of living. Right. Just to get more into the details and the weeds a bit, I'm always curious. I'm sure people listening are just like, okay, so she's not working. Were you just living off of your savings at this point? Yes. Yes. So I had a fund. Yeah. You might have called the F fund. Yeah. The FU fund. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And for me, it wasn't necessarily because I wanted to quit my job. It was half an emergency fund, half I know at some point I'm going to want to do something. And I didn't know what that something was. 
therein lies the do something project. Like what is this do something that we're trying to do? I live off of that. I was lucky enough that for the jobs I worked in, they paid very well. And I also received stock bonuses. I just never touched. Like it was just growing on its own. I was able to tap into that and really get into use some of those income and investments to help my lifestyle then. Mm-hmm. Now, are you still not working in the traditional sense? Are you self-employed? How are you earning a living today? Correct. So today I am self-employed. I do education, consulting, as well as do some blogging work as well. Right. This so much reminds me of, I had Carl Seidman on the podcast and he talked about mini retirements and saving up to be able to take breaks like this. And even in my, where I left my corporate job, we built up an FU fund where I'm able to now explore what it is that I want to do. That's all part of the journey to financial independence. It looks totally different. Some people prefer to work straight through until they reach that number. And some people have more of the flexibility and the leeway to take breaks in and out of maybe a straight working career. Like you can work for yourself and, you know, hopefully make money. But if you don't, you have some money to fall back on. So I love that you were able to, without even knowing, set yourself up to be able to do something like this. All right. So let's hop into what you're talking about with your sustainability and environmental friendly living. What does that mean? How can one now become more conscious of how we live and the environment around us? So when we talk about financial independence, we talk about like looking at what we're spending, looking at what we're earning and looking at what we're investing. And I think the biggest thing is to optimize your spending. And a lot of the times, and this is me, this is me in my 20s, I was just spending on stuff that I didn't really need or even want, but because it was there and easy for me to do, I did that. So a lot of it was money wasted in a sense on things I didn't use or things that I didn't really need. So I think a lot of minimalism and even in the concept of sustainable living is looking at those things that you're not using or that you're wasting because a lot of that stuff takes money and time for you to get as well as for other people to make and create. So when we're doing that, we're exchanging our money and time to get things that we don't even use and value. So that's tough because we're all, we're taking a lot of resources from the earth to manufacture and create items that maybe just sit in closets for years. That's another way of looking at really how you're spending your time and your money and how you're valuing what you're buying. Mm -hmm. Which this is going to be unique for everyone. And it's okay if people prefer spending on Mm -hmm. clothes or they prefer spending on experiences or both if they have the income to do that. But the idea is to be more conscious and deliberate about it, right? Because like you in my 20s, I was not deliberate or conscious really about where my money was going. It was just like, oh, I have it so I can just spend it. Whereas I think what this forces you to do, this movement, and then like layering on and being intentional about how we spend and sustainable living and minimalism is just asking you to think a little bit more about, do you really, really want this or you just want it for the sake of wanting it? And how does this impact your time, your money and the people and environment around you? Right, exactly. I think that's the thing when as you kind of, grow older and get experience, you realize that there's certain things that you want and there's certain things that you'd rather would prefer to have instead of, of that other thing. So you do, you do become more intentional in how you spend your money and how you spend your time and everything else that maybe advertising or marketing pushes on you, you start saying no to because you know that you want your money to go somewhere or you have your goals for your money. So you're not as caught up 
I think, in trying to get to maybe like a certain level of spending that others push on you. So it's really about intentional living and really finding what works for you, what's important to you and going for that. Mm -hmm. Now you had a post on your site where you talked about the hard truths of minimalism and decluttering because part of acquiring and having all this stuff, and I'm guilty of it, like I had to go downstairs to look for something in our basement area and there's so much stuff down there. And I'm just like, really, we don't need or use any of this and we need to get rid of it. But some of that is just like, do I have time? It's like, I can make time if I wanted to. And some things, if I'm honest, it's just like, oh, wait, maybe I will need this. I don't want to get rid of it. And all these kind of like things that come up. So Mm -hmm. can we just go through some of the hard truths? Because I think when you go through the list, it's going to force some people to say, hmm, I'm probably lying to myself or putting up this block to get this done, but I need to face it. So let's go through some of that. Right. The first one I had was the hard truth that you will never be able to make back all the money you spent buying stuff, but you can create new habits moving forward. I think that's something we have to pause on. As you just said in your story, if we look at our housing or where we are, all that stuff around us, we spent money on, we spent time on, and we can certainly try to sell it to gain money, but it's never going to be at the same level that we bought it for. So it's a hard truth that Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do it. But starting today, starting tomorrow, you can create new habits for yourself and really make those conscious choice of do I need this? Do I want this? And should I buy it? And how will it impact my time today? How will I use it? And will I use it? And those are a lot of questions that we need to ask ourselves each time we buy it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important because we're talking about, yes, we already all of us probably have accumulated things like that in our house that we don't need or want and it's just there and so I think part of it too is what keeps people stuck in the cycle of not doing anything and throwing things out is the shame maybe around having those things and like oh you know I have it already might as well keep it Mm -hmm. versus okay that's one part of it I think that's like a whole totally different conversation but the next part of it is how do you stop yourself now going forward how do you now become conscious about not bringing more crap into your home that you don't want Right. It's so easy to get caught up to kind of do that by one click buying. And I think that's the thing. We have to sit down and really understand what our needs and our wants are. Because there's so many people telling us and there's so much marketing that's telling us you have to have this. You need this. But we're going to sit down and ask, is this going to make me happy? Is buying this going to make me happy? Is buying this one other object when perhaps if I go into my closet, I might already have three more of that same item. How does that add on to the value of the stuff that I have? So it's a hard look. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you it's not easy. Decluttering and minimizing, it's not easy because you have already put in some of that time and money into buying those things. And there's opportunity cost and the loss aversion that comes with like, I've already spent my money on this. If this is already here for me, why should I get rid of it? I won't even get the same amount of money I get for it. I think it's necessary. It's necessary for you to just sit down and, and do that. Right. It's like the sunk cost fallacy where it's like, I already spent it. I'm just going to hold on to it because it's already been done. And I love how you said that we've been told so much. There's been so much messaging to us about how we should spend our money and what we want. People telling you, advertisers and parents and family and friends inputting all this information to you, right? Like subliminal messages and advertising. 
And so sometimes you get lost in what do I want, right? Do I really want this because I want this? Or is this really, I'm following a trend and I even know I'm following it because it's so now ingrained. It's the voices are so muddled in my head. Right. There's a lot of those things too, right? So people ask like, oh, by 30, you should have a car or a house or should be married. But that's someone else's timeline. If it's not your timeline, don't get caught up in needing to have all of those things because those things may be good for some people, which is absolutely amazing, but they may not work for you. So you really have to figure out what are the life stages and what are the things in life that's going to make you enjoy it more and just make you a little bit happier. And a lot of those things are probably not going to be actual things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now let's just go through one more maybe um, hard truth about minimalism and decluttering and then we'll move on to some other good stuff. This one is actually a big one for me. Just because it's free, it doesn't mean it's useful and needed. People give a lot of free stuff out, right? Like maybe you're just walking down the street and it's a shirt or some other souvenir that, that they, they're passing out. And those things, if you start collecting those things, they add up in your home. And then when you're about to declutter, you're like wondering, how did I get all of these things? Like I've never, never even wear this shirt. Why did I accept it? So I think that's the biggest thing is just because it's free, it doesn't mean it's useful and needed. So think about that before you accept something. I know it's hard for us to say no to someone giving us something because we want to make, to kind of please people and say, thank you for this kind of gift that you're giving me. But in the end, is it really adding a value to your life if you accept something that's free, but you're never going to use? Right. I love that because I had episode nine, Emily Guy Birkin, who she has the book and financial stress now. And she talks about that kind of concept of getting free is actually more costly sometimes than not getting it because it can end up costing you more. And So I totally agree. And what happens a lot is that you'll see other people taking the free stuff or so excited about it. And then you're just like, hmm, maybe I should be excited and take it too because everyone else is taking it. And it's really that conscious decision like, are you really going to use this? And again, wanting to kind of please people because then you're telling people, no, I don't want it. So it may hurt their feelings or be a rejection. And then there's even a twinge of guilt, like taking it and then even throwing it away, right? Because I've had that too where, I know I don't want this thing, but they're giving it to me. I don't want to say no. So I take it Mm -hmm. and then I kind of turn around and throw it away. And I'm just like, oh, I feel so bad. I just threw this way and someone gave it to me. Right. Right. And I think in that scenario too, like I would just reframe then if you feel guilty. I'm like, you know what? I don't necessarily need this. Perhaps someone else will need it to be a bad person or saying no. It's just it's it's not you don't need it, but someone else can use it. So give it to someone else who will need it. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, those are great, great tips. And I'll link to that blog post in the episode show notes. So I wanted to let you know more about the financial boss toolkit that I mentioned at the top of the episode. Really excited. Like I mentioned, me and 20 women, we came together to put together our best products where we thought this would help our listeners, our people get their finances in order. And so what that means is there are courses, there are worksheets, there are resources in this bundle that will help you with saving, credit, debt reduction, your side hustle, investing, money management, wealth building, and more. And so we brought together 20 amazing products to give to you, to have you invest in yourself and so that you can live your financial best life. If you want to learn more about what each of the products are and how you can get it while we have this amazing deal going on, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash financial toolkit. 
You do have until November 26th to get the lower price point for this toolkit. So make sure you check it out before then. Again, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash financial toolkit. And if I can mention some of the things that are involved in this, because I really want you to understand why we're so excited to bring this to you. We have courses on how to create a wealthy mindset. We have my budget bootcamp in there. We have a course about the stock market, understanding that and how you make money in it. We have a course about home ownership. We have some challenges to help you with your money. We have a planner. I mean, I can keep going. We actually have a funnel workshop. So if you are in the business realm and you wanna understand how to do funnels, there's a product in there for you about that. There's also a side hustle starter kit. I can literally keep on going. There are 20 products that we bundled together for this holiday season because we knew that you probably would be shopping for something. And so why not invest in something that's gonna help you long-term with your money, right? So hope you guys can check that out. Let's go to kind of now how we consume and live in general. You have something that you talk about called zero waste. This is people just trying to not be so wasteful. How does being wasteful affect the environment? What kind of things are we facing if we continue to be so wasteful? Yeah, so I guess the thing is that we're consuming more, right? So it's easy to buy things. But the unfortunate part is that some of those items that we buy are made poorly. So there's a lot of resources and time and money to make something, but they only have a lifespan of maybe five minutes or even less than a year. So it depends on the item. And what that means is that we're throwing a lot of things away. And that goes into landfills, it goes into incinerators, and that's not necessarily the best place for us to be putting those items because most of these items are also chemical-rich, toxic, and they do end up going back to the earth, to the land, the soil, and the water that we're using. So it's something that we have to be conscious about when we accept an item, throw it out, because it goes somewhere, it doesn't just disappear. So the, the concept of trash, while it's awesome that they've created a system to move it away from our streets, it actually ends up in other neighborhoods, in perhaps a neighborhood, a few towns over you, and they're burning it, and those fumes and those chemicals are going back into into the neighborhood. So it's, it's something that we have to conscious of, that we live in a very interdependent world, and one, one area affects the other. Mm, and you know, I never thought of it that way, where part of it is you don't see your trash build up. It like gets taken away, so you don't have the reminder of how wasteful you actually are. If we were forced to live with our trash in our backyard, it'd be like that reminder. And not maybe, you know, it stays for a month, like they come pick it up at the end of the month. But mm -hmm. imagine how people will see like, oh my gosh, I am that wasteful. But because it gets taken away, you don't see it. And so it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. It's easy to kind of forget about it. And I think the concept of zero waste talks a lot about figuring out a new way to reuse, repurpose. So zero waste follows the five R's and it asks you to refuse. So if you don't really need it, refuse it. Reduce your needs, reuse what you can, recycle, and rot. And all of the goal is to reduce the amount of trash that we send to the landfills and the incinerators. The reality, though, is that we don't live in an economy like this. We don't live in an economy that allows us to reuse every item. But we can try. We can try to at least do our part to reduce the waste that we generate. Okay. And so how then does one now start thinking about how to invest responsibly? 
we talked about the expenses side of things and not being wasteful and being more conscious. But then when we do have that extra income, how do we invest to make sure it's going to the right place? The biggest thing when we think about investing is we kind of all automatically think about investing in the stock market and investing in these large companies. And it's good to kind of look at investing in another way is that you invest in your local communities, invest in companies that are doing good in the world. We talked about why even think about sustainability and eco-friendly living because it doesn't maybe necessarily make sense that we talk about money and the earth at the same time. But at some point, we do need to make sure that the world that we're going to give our children, our grandchildren, is a world that they want to live in. And in order for that to happen, we need to invest in a world like that. So this might mean investing in options like solar or renewable energy. It might mean investing in companies that are trying to produce more organic materials or companies that are trying to reduce chemicals in their environment. And a lot of this kind of goes hand in hand with wanting to make sure that one, we want profit. We want to make sure that we create the security for ourselves through investing. But we also want to make sure that we're investing for good and for the next generation to have both security as well as a good place, a clean place to live in. So how do we find companies like that to invest in? Are there resources or apps or companies that you recommend or think we can look into? There's a few companies. Check out B Corp. So B Corp certifies companies that are doing a few things, ensuring that their company values are in line with environmental and social aspects. The UN, the United Nations, has sustainable goals that are in place. And a lot of the companies, as well as your mutual funds and ETFs, are being ranked against the UN sustainability goals. So if you actually log into your existing retirement accounts or your brokerage accounts, you'll start seeing ratings for companies against the UN sustainability goals. There's also a group called asyouso.org, and they provide an analysis of funds to see if they meet like the fossil fuel free, deforestation free, even tobacco free. So, and there's also new companies popping up that are thematic in the way that they invest. So there's a company right now called Swell Investing that provides you a list of companies to invest in that focus on clean water or focus on zero waste and focus on renewable energy. So there's a good many options popping up for companies that are helping others see that investing for good is actually not only good for the wallet, but also good for the planet. Thank you for those. And I'll link those in the show notes. And I'm assuming like, for example, I have Vanguard. If I log into Vanguard, I should be able to maybe see where I'm investing is ranked on the UN sustainability metrics, or I can call them, right? And ask them if it's not available. Yeah, you can definitely ask them. And some of them, they have an ESG rating. So that's environmental, social and governance rating. So they go through just to see if the fund fits some of the criteria for those for environmental responsibility, so social governance. And then a lot of the funds you can also call up just to ask what's their stance on some of these pending issues that come up for the companies. Are they promoting environmental issues ahead of other areas or are they promoting diversity within their companies? It's a good way to check and definitely calling them up. You have a right as a stakeholder, as a shareholder to ask those questions. 
because it's your money that's being invested. Right. I like that. I like the concept of just because you're investing smart and smartly sustainability wise, you don't have to give up profit. You can still be profitable, earn money and invest and it be smart investments and not just full blown charity where you're giving away returns. Yes, exactly. I think there's a misconception with that, that if we want to kind of do good in the world, we can't get money. And I think that's the biggest thing that we kind of have to change and shift is that when we invest, we put money up front to help others grow, right? We help companies grow or we help a movement grow. And if that does well, then I think it makes sense that we should also kind of gain a little bit from that because we are at the the forefront of helping something grow and investing in something good. Mm -hmm. And you talked about that too in a post on your site. You talked about for you, you had to switch from believing money was a bad thing and not in line with minimalism and money is a positive thing, right? Yeah, for years, I, I mean, growing up, we didn't really talk a lot about money. And I think a part of this too is culture. And for years, I kind of thought the money was bad. So I wanted to get rid of money because if I wasn't doing good with the money, then there was no point in me having money. But what I realized too is that money is just a tool. It's up to you how to use the money and it's up to you whether you use it for good or evil. And I guess that's the thing is that that's a big mindset shift for me was understanding that money can be used for good. And that's something that we kind of need to start understanding too that yeah, there's going to be a lot of talk about greed on Wall Street and money being used for bad, but money can be used for good too. Mm-hmm. And you said cultural wise, where did you grow up or like what kind of culture did you grow up in? I grew up in the Philippines. I we immigrated to the U.S. when I was nine in the early 90s. So in the Philippines, we rarely talk about money. And there's also a very religious culture. And it's one of those, I think it personally for me growing up in my family, money was not necessarily something that we talked about. And it wasn't something that we wanted to fawn over because it felt like we shouldn't do that. We can't idolize money in that way. And and I'm not trying to say we should idolize money, but there's a way for us to shift the way we think about money so that we can work for something better and use it for something good. Right. Like you said, as a tool, as your fuel to do more in the world that you want to see. Right. Now, so there's one thing I saw so I had Vicki Robin on the podcast in the past, the author of Your Money or Your Life. And one thing that she had said, and I've heard her say is that when she started on this, and she started writing the book and doing more workshops around these thoughts, more people were wanting to reach this as a overreaching kind of community sense of financial independence. It was more about the world and the environment and she felt like nowadays, which again, it's not a bad thing, but nowadays it's more selfish reasons why people want to reach FI, which I can understand because I feel like nowadays, sometimes while we're connected in so many ways because of the internet, we're also very separate too. And we all have our individual issues and money things going on. And so it's really about let's get ourselves out of debt first and let's reach financial independence for ourselves and for our families first. And I do see that kind of a lot in the community. Do you feel like that is more of the driving factor to why people want to reach FI now? It's more for self. And how can we now change that thinking and make it more of a global goal that we're reaching it, not just for ourselves, but for the world? Right. I do see that too. And I think a part of that too, is I know that we want to meet our basic needs and kind of accomplish that. So we're very individual in those goals. But I do feel that at some point, though, when you've received all you can or have accumulated all you can, 
there's time that we can put in to give back. And it is unfortunate that it is individualistic in nature, but I think there's also a time to get community involved. Getting to debt-free takes help. Asking people for help is community. Encouraging people to do that is community. So get to a point where you can reach financial independence. But at some point, I don't think we would want to sit in our own islands enjoying our financial independence. A lot of us, I think, would want to do something with others, work with others, help the community to have purpose in our lives at some point. So I think it's important that we do what we can today to get us to a place where we're comfortable and secure. But let's also think about how we can help the community from what we've learned and share those experiences and really get to a point where maybe we do social enterprise because we don't have to worry about meeting our basic needs and getting other people involved in that process too. Mm -hmm. And I do want to clarify, it's not to like say everyone that's on this journey is only caring about themselves because like you said, there is a huge sense of community around this movement. And so many people do want to connect and can relate to wanting to reach this idea of freedom and the actual getting to the place of being able to be more free and do the things that you love and want with your time. And I do agree that you put on your own oxygen mask, right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so yes, you do need to put on your own oxygen mask. You do need to climb your way out first, but just don't forget to look back and help others and then just try to do it in a sustainable way. And so you talked a little bit about how we can do that. And I just want to quickly go over that for actionable tips for people listening. But one is to maybe look where you're already investing. So to look at your retirement portfolios, your broker's accounts, see where your money is invested and how they rank on the scales of making sure it's sustainable and good for the environment. And then as you invest in new things or opportunities, you know, make sure you're aware of what you're investing in. And like you said, invest more in our communities, right? More, more in things around us. What else can people do? Look locally, too. Perhaps there's new businesses or local banks that support new businesses. There is actually a lot of growing movement in local investing. So if you're in putting your money in a local bank and they use that money to hand out loans to someone else within the community, you're growing your community. So you're not only improving your community, but you're also growing your money at the same time. And you now have a community and a neighborhood that is good for you to go to. Consider also investing in local farmers, we're going to need food to survive. So look at other areas where you can invest, the local food movement or the slow movement. Find other areas that is just not the stock market that you'll want more of. So if you want more of something, there must be a way for me to kind of put my money and get some returns while these areas grow. For those that are wanting to look at zero waste or trying to live a zero waste life is to do a trash audit. Take a look at where you're throwing in the trash because that's actually a significant portion of where you spend your money and perhaps where you throw away your money. And I think the biggest thing might be food. So figure out ways to look at your trash and see how you can reduce the waste that you're creating and thus reducing perhaps the things that you're buying and reducing the money that's wasted so you can save more and then do more to invest in that. Mm -hmm. And so I guess some practical thoughts around that is, for example, if I'm looking at my garbage and I see that by the end of the week, I'm throwing out a lot of leftovers, is either I need to stop cooking as many leftovers, do more different types of dishes if I'm getting tired of something so early on, or I need to buckle down and eat what's in the fridge, yeah. right? What are some other practical stuff around that? 
Yeah, exactly. The thing is, for me, when I worked in Manhattan, my garbage can at work, I had my own garbage can. It was filled with these takeout containers. So that's one way to look at it. We're like, well, I'm spending a lot of money on takeout. So maybe you bring your lunch to work a few days a week. Perhaps you also skip coffees. Going back to the food. So maybe you don't do a large grocery shopping for the week. Maybe you do two small ones. So you end up not wasting so much food and you're eating what you're buying too. And then also look at some of your clothing too. Some of the things that we donate, it's kind of waste, right? Because it's something that we spent money on, but we didn't really use. So just because we can donate it doesn't mean let's not give ourselves a pat on the back because we can donate it too. Even though donation is a great way to make sure things get reused, but let's make sure that what we are also buying is something that we're really using and that we're taking care of and appreciating. Mm -hmm. Which the concept of minimalism is great too, because you're not buying 30 shirts that you're not wearing, you're buying a few staple items that you know you love and use and you'll wear. Yes, exactly. I mean, there's a thing going back to you buying quality and it might take you a little bit more time to find that quality item, but it's something that you're going to enjoy and you're going to rock it and you're going to be like, all right, this item has had so many wears and it's totally worth my money. Right, right. Excellent, excellent tips. And I know that they'll be able to find some more stuff on your website and social media. So let everyone know where they can find you and learn more about you. Sure. So you can check me out at the do something project.com. I have a lot of minimalism and eco-friendly green living tips over there. And then you can also find me at sistersforfi.com. And that's more for personal finance and stories about reaching financial independence. Right. And actually, before we go, I did want to just touch upon where you are now on your financial independence journey. You were laid off and now you're working for yourself. But how far along are you? What are you looking to do more of? I need to reassess my investments and definitely earn more income. And I think the biggest thing is that I already have investments that are continuing to grow for me, but I'm definitely not at the stage (laughs) of being able to sidestep from a job. So I think working part time will probably continue to do so. Mm -hmm. But what I love, again, about your story is that you found because you were able to put yourself in this position, you're fond of freedom now. Like there are a lot of people on this path to FI who would just love to do what you're doing, even if it's working part time and working on projects that you love. It's still you're still more in control of your life and time and how you earn money. And so I still think that's just amazing that you're able to live your life in this way and help more people discover this way of investing and living and thinking. Thank you. It's been a learning journey. I have to say that and without a lot of people within the community, just asking, asking questions is a big thing, too. And doing things for yourself too, just experimenting with that is a big step. Sometimes you don't really know what you don't know until you start doing it. And that's a key thing. All right. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Catherine, for coming on and sharing your story and all these amazing tips. Thank you, Jamila, for having me. I really, really hope you enjoyed that episode with Catherine. It was really nice to talk about this topic, something that we should be talking about more. We should be putting in the forefront of our minds. How can we be smarter, more conscious investors and spenders and savers and consumers of this planet, right? We only get one. This is our home. How do we take care of it? If you want any of the episode show notes, you can go to Journey to Launch dot com slash episode 72 to get into the links that we talked about Catherine at the end she provided a lot of great resources for those of you who are wanting to understand how you can invest and live more responsibly so make sure you check that out journey to launch dot com slash episode 72 
Also, don't forget to follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Journey to Launch. So Journey to Launch. And then if you want to talk more, join the Facebook group. That's journeytolaunch.com slash community. And I really hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday with your family and loved ones. And I don't think I say this enough. I mean, maybe I say it too much, but hey, you can never show how much you care too much, right? But want to let you know I am thankful for you. Thankful to have you on this journey with me, as I always say. So till next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. <laughs>